0: We all recognize how hard it is sometimes to make sure that the world's ideas don't influence the church. The idea is the church would influence the world. Oh.
1: Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through his series called Close Encounters with Jesus. So, get ready to follow along in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike.
0: Good morning. If you have your Bible, I'd like invite you to open them to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians 11. We've been kind of looking at close encounters with Jesus. I think it's really important that we realize the author and finisher of our faith, who it is. We look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. This morning is communion. And you know, probably one of the most misunderstood things in the church is communion, and we're going to see why here in a few minutes. What it was about, and it was a fulfillment of what happened thousands of years before with Moses telling Pharaoh, let my people go. You know what's so interesting, and I think the when you look at the plagues, and by the way, most of us know if you go back, ten plagues came upon the nation of Egypt, because they they were refusing to let the children of Israel go. When God had determined they had been in captivity long enough, it was time to return back to Canaan. Now, 10 in the Bible is the number of testing. You'll find that all the way through. You have the 10 plagues. You have uh, the 10 commandments. You have the 10 lepers. Only one came back and said, thank you. 10 in the Bible is the number of testing. And the very last test that God put Egypt through was the death of the firstborn of everything in the land of Egypt. When the death angel came through and did not see the blood on the doorpost and on the lintel above, the death angel would then go into the house and kill the firstborn. God told Moses, this is what they needed to do. And so they were to put the blood on the doorpost and on the lintel and eat the lamb. You know, it's interesting when Pharaoh literally expelled them the next day out of Egypt because he was so grief stricken because even Pharaoh's own firstborn son died. We remember that also all those lambs left As well. The Lamb was in them. You know, so often we see the focus, and sometimes the Pharisees would do this as well. They would make the focus upon Moses, but the focus was really upon that great Exodus, was the blood of the Lamb. And again, when we study scriptures, Jesus said this Search the scriptures, in them you think you have eternal life, but they are which testify of me. So, in other words, When you look in the Old Testament, look for Jesus. He's on every page. He's on every place. We understand a little bit more of the love of God. Now, something we want to remember is a true relationship with God is not religion. A true relationship with God is a relationship with the God who loves you. And that's so important, friends, because we have a God that wants to interact with us, be part of our daily life, not something where we just come and see God on Sunday. Hey, God, how you doing? Nice place you got here. Well, I'll see you next week. But God says, "I want to be with you all the time. I want to be part of your daily life." That's why the Bible says to pray without ceasing. Now, prayer, we sometimes make it. In the world of ease, this kind of prayer thing. But prayer is just a constant awareness of God's presence in our lives. That's what God wants. He loves you, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. I can't really stress enough the damage that oftentimes religion will do to supplant a personal relationship with your daddy in heaven with a bunch of gobbledygook rules and regulations, that somehow by doing all this religious stuff, we become acceptable to God. What makes us acceptable to God was the blood of the lamb. What caused the death angel to pass over us was the blood of Jesus on our lives. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word today, we ask you now that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and cause us to become aware of that daily presence that you want in our lives. And so now as we read, may your Holy Spirit speak to us, communicate your truth, and God, may we have a better understanding of who you are and who we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, 1 Corinthians 11. The Corinthian church was an interesting group of people. It was a church. And in this church, they had started off well, but they got into weird stuff. In fact, they were doing all kinds of goofy things. And so the letter of Corinth, this 1 Corinthian letter, as well as the second, were corrective letters. The letters that Paul wrote were to straighten them out where they had strayed from the simplicity of the gospel. Now, he writes these. Now they were doing all kinds of really goofy stuff. And Paul asked him, they were baptizing for the dead. In fact, Paul says, if you don't believe in life after death, why are you baptizing for the dead? It doesn't ever say they should be baptizing for the dead. He says, why are you doing it? I'm, Any group of people around today that baptized for the dead, I say the same thing Paul did. Why are you doing it? It's not, it was never commissioned by Jesus. It was never outlined in any of the apostles' doctrines. It was never found in the New Testament. Why are you doing it? Well, there was a lot of stuff. The first Corinthian group we find outlined here in this book that they were doing. One of the worst ones was they had changed communion into a drunken party. Now, this is hard to believe, but they had actually changed communion. That very special time that Jesus gathered in the upper room with his his disciples, and they were gathered there together. And as they, they, Jesus said, how I've longed to break bread with you. Why did Jesus long to break bread with the disciples in that upper room? It was the fulfillment, of what happened with Moses on the 10th plague. A plague for the people of the world, a blessing for the children of God. We find here in 1 Corinthians 11 what had happened. We'll just read a little bit here. And again, as this is uh, Communion Sunday, why is communion so important to Christians? i mean and why has it become so unimportant to christians well you're going to we're going to see this right now now he writes here in verse 17 he says now giving of these instructions i do not praise you since when you come together it's not for the better but for the worst oh wow <laughs> he's saying when you guys have church it isn't because it's good You guys get worse when you guys come together. Now, that's a pretty strong statement, don't you think? Usually you would think when people come together, there would be some improvement. Paul says, no, not for you guys. You guys were really off. Now, something important to remember, and I think this is very important, in understanding the love of God. Even in their weirdness, in their wackiness, he still called them brethren. I think that is so important to understand. We will oftentimes, in our course of a lifetime, as we are Christians, we will come across people that are sideways a little bit. But they're still Christians, and we still need to admonish them as that, not saying, oh, whatever you want to do, it's all cool. No, it's that if I really love you, I'm, I'm going to try in some way to help you get out of the blindness you're in. The Bible says in Matthew uh, chapter 18, if you see a brother overtaken in a fault, you put him on the internet and crucify him. No, it doesn't say that. It says if you find a brother overtaken in a fault, you go to them what? Privately. So if we ever have anything to say about somebody else and we have not went to them privately, you are in violation of Scripture. That's what the Bible says. I didn't say it. Why is that? It keeps down gossip. It keeps down tail bearing. It keeps down the division of the saints. That's why it's so disastrous. In fact, the Bible says seven things the Lord hates. And one of those is those that sow discord among the brethren. How do you sow discord among the brethren? Primarily through gossip. That's probably one of the best ways to do it. So if you haven't practiced Matthew 18, then you're becoming more of the problem. And so you say, well, how can uh, going to church make me worse? Well, because if we don't do what Jesus says, then we enter into some kind of a a position where now we're the judge, and God has left that position uh, in your heart or mind. So we want to be careful of that. Verse 18. For first of all, when you come together as a church... I hear there are divisions among you, and I partly believe it. Well, why would he partly believe it? And what were the divisions over? Well, it wasn't just divisions, I think, in divisions. I think there were divisions concerning this special time. There might have been the rich. And the famous. No, there might have been the rich. And, and, And there might have been the different groups that were there expecting special favors. Now we find this as a problem as we study the book of James. In the book of James, the Bible says if somebody comes into your fellowship and they're dressed in really nice apparel, they got Gucci's, I'm glad, you know, they're, they, they look really good. Well, come up here and sit up here, man. Woo, wow, you're a somewhat. I always like to hang out with somewhats. You're a somewhat, sit up here. But if the Bible says if somebody comes in in vile raiment, they stinketh. I don't know. But whatever it is, if they come in and you go, ew, you sitting back here, sitting back where no one uh, will look at you or see you. He says, haven't you shown partiality? So evidently there could have very well been partiality shown here. Now you have to remember, the Corinthian church was part of the Roman Empire, I mean the, the, the area. So you have a Christian church within a Roman culture, which is very hedonistic. They, they, they uh, were, were pantheists, they believed in many gods. When the Romans had a party, they partied. They, they, they were barbarians, okay? And so I'm sure that a lot of those ideas came in to the church. In fact, we all recognize how hard it is sometimes to make sure that the world's ideas don't influence the church. The idea is the church would influence the world. But unfortunately, we all recognize this. And I think this is one of the good things about fellowshipping together. I think when we fellowship together, I think it causes us to remove a lot of the ideas that the world has thrown on us through the week, And we're able to once again touch the hem of his garment, see Jesus, get his priority back in alignment again. And we go, oh yeah, I guess I shouldn't have copped that stinky attitude that I've got. I guess I shouldn't have let you know some sitcom on television influence my way of thinking about something. I've always said that uh, the world has a way of continually chucking mud balls at us. And I like to get under the spout where God's glory comes out and washes all that junk off all the time. We need a cleansing uh, continually in our lives. And so he says, I believe that there are a bunch of divisions among you because of the net result. Now he goes on and he says this, for he says, therefore, when you come together Well, let let me finish this. Let me go back to verse uh, 19. For there must be fractions among you that those who are proved may be recognized among you. In other words, there's going to be these broken off groups. Some you're going to recognize, some you're not going to recognize. And he says, therefore, when you come together in one place, it's not to eat the Lord's supper. You're coming for another reason. You're coming because of your group or your fraction or uh, you're famous, you set up here, you're ugly, you set back there, all these different things. So it's really not a communion meal, an agape feast of coming together in fellowship, but it was really that of polarization. Instead of, it was just the opposite of what it should have been. Now, when you realize so much of the Roman Empire were slaves. There were more slaves than there were free people in the Roman Empire. Slaves were treated however you wanted to treat them, and sometimes for many of the slaves, the agapi the agapi meal was the only good meal that they ever got. And so he he tells them, "Be careful when you come together. That God sees us as as His family, not in groups of superiority." And so. He says in verse 21, For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others. One is hungry and another is drunk. This isn't a church. They come together, they're pushing their way in line. Some are shoving and pushing, others are just drunk. You don't think Paul necessarily needed to write a letter to this group? Imagine having uh, after uh, agape, after church, we go over there across the hall and, and uh, you know, a couple of people are sitting around drunk and other people are pushing their way into the front of the line. That's crazy stuff. Everything that really Jesus isn't. That's why he wrote this letter. Now, by the way, friends, is it possible for Christians who love God to get off sideways? Yes. Here's a good illustration of it, where they forgot what love was. To prefer one another. That's what the Bible says. And so he says, what? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or or do you despise the church of God and the shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. Now, notice he says, um, you shame those who have nothing. Gives me a little bit more of an idea what these different groups were breaking off within the, the divisions that he was speaking of, because somebody would look at somebody of what they had. You know, I believe that we're all trustees, whatever it is in this world. None of us are taking it with us into the next life. The only thing going into the next life, friends, is people. There's no hobby, no money, no dollars, no houses, no cars, no nothing. Only thing going into the next world is people. And when I realize that, how does God want you and me to view one another as brothers and sisters in the Lord? That's the way we're supposed to act. And he says, you guys have fractionized You guys have little groups, uh, the haves and the have-nots, those that are drunk, those that are shoving their way in line. He goes, you guys are messed up. He said, should I praise you over this? He said, no way. I shall not praise you. Verse 23, for I receive from the Lord that which I also deliver to you. And by the way, friends, that's all really we can ever do. We can only deliver what God delivers to us, what God gives us. And by the way, if you've Accepted Christ as your Savior, you can lead somebody into salvation. If you've been baptized, you can baptize somebody. Isn't that great to know? If you've uh, blessed them, you can, when you've been blessed by God, you can turn and bless others as well. What I've received from the Lord, I delivered unto you. That the Lord Jesus Christ, on that same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, I I was raised in church. I don't have the cross and the switchblade testimony. I have the cross and the butter knife testimony. And what I mean by that is that, you know, um, God kept me. That doesn't mean I never did anything wrong, did lots of things wrong. But I don't have the the torn up life that so often does. And by the way, for all of you that are younger, as I look around at a lot of my friends that I grew up with in school, in high school, and I see the drugs that they got into and the partying and all the stuff, a lot of the people I went to school with are dead. A lot of the people I hung around with are in prison. A lot of the people that I've known in my life are extremely ill because they destroyed their health through all the drugs and all the partying and all these things. There is a blessing in staying in Jesus. The Bible says not only does he save our soul, but he's the preserver of our body. And by the way, I know this side of heaven, we have to live in this thing we call the tent. We get a new one someday, and I'm looking forward to that. But we still have to live in this. And so really using God's wisdom, taking care of the the temple that God's given you. Now, it may be fun to tear it up when you're 30, but when you start getting into your 50s, you're going to say, boy, I'm sure glad I trusted God. Because the thing is, you've averted a lot of health issues because of not doing and destroying your body. Now, the Bible here tells us Jesus took the bread and he broke it. What was that about? Like I say, I was raised in church, had communion for many years. Oh, yeah, the bread and, 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 and the cup. Yeah, I'm I, I very much aware of that. What's that about? Here, first of all, is this. Jesus holds up the bread and he breaks it. Now, in 1 Peter 2.24, his word says, by his stripes were healed. Do you realize that God provided for you a way that you could be healed? Yeah, we have torn it up in our 30s, in our 40s. But God provides a way for you to be healed. This morning, God offers to you healing through communion. And you know, it's a funny thing. Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. It's the only physical thing that Jesus authorized that we could remember him by. And it wasn't a gold, a statue. It wasn't. It, what it was was a special commemorative dinner to reflect us back to what God did for the children of Israel as he delivered them from slavery. That's what God did for you. God did for me. He delivered us from slavery, from living in the world to now living for him. And by his stripes, we're healed. Do you need to be healed this morning? Think about it for a minute. Is there memories in your life that are sore? Is your ability to love or to be loved been hurt? Have you ever said, I've been burned by someone and I'm never going to love ever again and we build our little walls that we are so comfortable behind And Jesus comes along in his love, and he says, by his stripes we're healed. And God breaks down those walls that we've made, the ability to love, the ability to be loved.
1: Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up,